The people then, like people today, were content with external righteousness. Jesus taught that the only righteousness that was acceptable to God was a righteousness that transforms people. Pastor Leighton Sheely is continuing his study in the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter, the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically the Beatitudes, as we bring you another edition of Study Verse by Verse from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and I'm Mike Trout. If you'd like to listen to any of the past broadcasts, you can find them on our website, studyversebyverse.com. You can also join with us if you're a longtime listener and you've benefited from the teaching on this broadcast and would like to become a partner with us. You can give safely when you go to that website again, studyversebyverse.com. Now beginning a new message in the series, here's Pastor Layton invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely, on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You were the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now these are portions of the scripture that we've already studied thus far, and they are or will be available on our website, highlands.us. The portion of scripture we're going to focus on today is what follows. Verse 21, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, 
leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you'll be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, as I mentioned in previous sermons on this series, when we really understand what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, we realize that we cannot attain these standards of righteousness. They're just way too high. They are too great. We cannot achieve these requirements for righteousness. And Jesus established that the righteousness of, of, of the scribes and the Pharisees was not effective for getting us into heaven. Now, a person who claims that they live by the Sermon on the Mount really doesn't understand the Sermon on the Mount because none of us can live according to the Sermon on the Mount. It is impossible for us to keep. That realization should bring us to the knowledge we need a Savior. We need the Savior. We need the Savior God has provided, His only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because when it comes to righteousness, we are spiritually destitute. We are poor in spirit. The people then, like people today, were content with external righteousness. Jesus taught that the only righteousness that was acceptable to God was a righteousness that transforms people. A true Christian righteousness arises from the heart, and no one can change the heart from God. True righteousness comes from God. It can only come from God. Our righteousness must come from God. Now up until verse 20 uh, in, in Matthew 5, the Demand for an internal righteousness has been presented positively. And then when Jesus continues his teaching, it's based on his statement in verse 20 that we need a righteousness that surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees. And so in verse 21 follows, he explains what that righteousness looks like. And it's important for us to understand this because this is the best description of the difference between those kinds of righteousness. That kind of righteousness that's that's given by the scribes and Pharisees is not going to get us into the kingdom of heaven. We don't want that kind of righteousness. We want the kind of righteousness that gets us into the kingdom of heaven. We have to have that kind of righteousness. And so Jesus uses six illustrations here to describe and contrast what people think is expected from what is really expected. And today we'll only have the opportunity to look at the first of the six. So that is an introduction. Let's study the passage verse by verse, beginning at verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And so in the first of these six illustrations, he's addressing and considering murder. He says, you have heard, where have they heard it from? The scribes and the Pharisees who were the teachers. You see, most people were illiterate. They couldn't read for themselves. They didn't have scriptures for themselves. They depended upon the teachers. What he's talking about is, you have heard from the scribes and the Pharisees. And the first portion that he quotes is directly from the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. The words, whoever murders will be liable or subject to the judgment is not found in that passage, but it describes the way people understand the passage to mean. And it describes it in terms of legal ramifications. 
Now, the passage in the Old Testament is found in Exodus chapter 20. The King James translates the verse, thou shalt not kill. That's the way many of us who've been raised years ago memorized it. But if you look at any modern, uh, reputable translation, most of them say, don't say thou shalt not kill. It says thou shalt not murder. Now, Hebrew has seven words, according to the scholars, seven words for killing. And the word that's used in Exodus 20 uh, makes murder the more accurate translation. It's a more accurate rendering than kill because it denotes premeditation and deliberateness. It doesn't apply to killing animals, defending one's home, accidental killings, the execution of murderers by the state, involvement in one's nation's uh, wars. It does apply to self-murder, suicide, accessory to murder, and to those who have the responsibility to punish known murders but fail to do so. The penalty for murder was death, and it was not reducible to any lesser sentence. And the clear implication, what Jesus is saying here, is the scribe and Pharisee version refers to the act being carried out. And we do the same thing because our dictionary defines murder as the uh, offense of unlawfully killing a human being with malice aforethought, expressed or implied. But is murder more than just the act? Is there some guilt to a person who wanted to kill someone else but uh, was delayed from doing so by some unexpected circumstance or didn't do it because they had a fear of getting caught? You see, this is how people excuse their thoughts of murder because they say, well, I didn't actually do it, so I'm not guilty of it. But that reasoning doesn't support the intent of God's commandment because God is concerned with the heart. Jesus did not say that anger leads to murder. Jesus said that anger is murder. He didn't say anger leads to murder. He said that anger is murder. And then notice that he provides in this passage a description, a graduation of anger and a graduation of punishment. The first level is the person who is angry with their brother. Now, in Greek, there are two words for anger. Thumos describes a flame that quickly erupts and quickly dies down, like a flame that might happen in the case of straw or something like that. But there's another word, uh, orgy, that describes a anger that is fueled and encouraged by the heart that doesn't die down. It's, it's an anger that someone broods over and will not allow to die. That's actually the word that Jesus uses here in this passage. Now, any kind of anger is dangerous because any kind of danger can get out of control very quickly and, and lead to violence and hurt and even murder. Unrighteous anger keeps us from developing a spirit that is pleasing to the Lord. Now, there is a form of righteous anger, but that's not the anger that's being spoken of here. This kind of anger is forbidden. James says, the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. The apostle Paul says, put off all anger, wrath, malice, and slander. Jesus forbids an anger that refuses to be pacified and which seeks revenge. If we're going to be following Jesus, we need to get this out of our lives. We need to get it out of our hearts. We need to get it out of our minds. It needs to be removed. And then Jesus goes on to speak of two cases where this internal feeling of anger erupts into words. So anger in a person's heart and anger in their speech is equally forbidden. Jesus condemns calling one's brother Raka. Raka. 
Now, the exact meaning of the word is uncertain, but it was an expression of contempt. And Jesus said this expression renders a person subject to the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the highest authority in the land. And that's where we're going to have to end today as we wrap up this broadcast for a Friday. You're listening to Pastor Leighton Sheely, the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and a message from his series on the Beatitudes. We'll be back Monday at this same time to pick up right where we're leaving off today. You can find out information about Church of the Highlands on the website highlands.us. If you're looking for a church home, would like to worship with the congregation at Church of the Highlands, all the details regarding the service times and, of course, the uh, church location are on that website, highlands.us. Have a great weekend and join us on Monday, if you can, when we'll once more open the Word of God and study verse by verse.